Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Well, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs again today. Excited for that. And today we are talking about difficult conversations, and particularly difficult conversations for the glory of God. You know, all of us have difficult conversations. We may not have them all the time, but all of us at different times have to have difficult conversations. You know, they are those conversations that before the conversation, it, you're just, you're kind of antsy about, right? Maybe your, your knees are weak, your palms are sweaty, you're, you're just a little, little hyped up about it, right? Going into it. And then during the conversation, during the conversation, <laughs> all kinds of good stuff happening. <laughs> during the conversation, you, you maybe sometimes have like an out of body experience because you're, you're saying things, but you're, you're just nervous and stressed. You're not really sure what you're saying. Or, or after the conversation, you look back and go, wee, like, should I have said that? Did I mean to say that? Or like, are we still going to be okay now? Is it going to be awkward next time we see each other? All of us have those conversations. You know, and sometimes it may be uh, you and your spouse, you're not on the same page, or you've got to talk to a coworker, or, or, or your boss comes to you and says, hey, we need to have a tough conversation. Or you go to a friend, or a friend comes to you about some things they're kind of worried about. Or maybe you go to your teenager because they're just not getting the discipline that you're putting in front of them. So now you have to have a hard sit down conversation or you're the teenager and your parents are sitting down with you and you're going, man, they don't understand me. They don't know me. I wish they'd leave me alone. All of us have difficult conversations. Wouldn't it be cool if the Bible actually talked about stuff like that? Oh, wait, it does, right? It does. See, the problem is not with the Bible. The problem is we as people in our everyday lives just tend to not like them, right? Meaning we don't like difficult conversations or like, just to put it out there, if you love difficult conversations, that's kind of scary too, right? Like, like if you love difficult conversations, maybe you're not approaching it right. You may be running people over. So the question is, how do we have difficult conversations in a more biblical way? Like, how do we bring glory to God in our difficult conversations? It'd be easy in a sermon like this to, to walk away and just kind of feel like, well, we had our, you know, five, five good truths to a better life. And that's not what we're going for. See, Jesus loves you and wants you to thrive in life. And when you do things his way, you begin to thrive. I don't mean that life is easy and everything's perfect now, but when you do things his way, that's honoring to him and he honors that. And the reality is, as you honor him in the way that you live, and in this particular context, doing difficult conversations well, that brings glory to him. And, and for the believer, that's, that's what we're about, amen? Like that's, our lives are not just so we can tell people what we think or, or we can just manage. No, our lives are to bring glory to God. And, and so how do we do that with difficult conversations? Well, it's to do them well, to approach them in a more biblical manner. So I want us to pray and then we're gonna talk about difficult conversations. And I'll give you a heads up. Um, we're going to be all over the book of Proverbs. So get that thumb ready to flip through those Bible pages, okay? Like warm it up a little bit. It's going to be good. 
God, we are so grateful for the opportunity to be in your house, to, to worship. God, thank you again for the rain. And Lord, just uh, for your love. I pray that as we study this morning, you would speak to us, you would challenge us, but also encourage us, God. God, we love you. Look forward to what you're gonna do. It's your name we pray, amen. All right, the first one, number one, this, this may come as a shocker, but when you're gonna have a difficult conversation, number one, don't look at the text. First thing you gotta do, talk to the right person. Talk to the right person, meaning talk to the person you're actually having the difficulty with. Isn't this something easy to talk about, but a little harder to do? <laughs> talk to the right person. Don't talk about them, talk to them. Check out Proverbs 16, 28. 16, 28. It says, a contrary person, some translations say a perverse person, person that's causing problems. A contrary person spreads conflict and a gossip separates close friends. So you've got a difficult conversation, but if, if you then go gossip to other people, you're just spreading the conflict, right? You're just making things worse by spreading it. And so not only are you, are you spreading the conflict, you're actually gonna, this text says, spread out the distance, the intimacy between you and your friend or your coworker or your family member, whoever, it says, that a gossip separates close friends. So you, know, you may have a difficult conversation needing to happen with a close friend. And if you don't go talk to them and instead talk about them, you may not be so close by the time you talk. <laughs> Let's look at another verse regarding this. 26, 20, chapter 26, verse 20. One of my favorite verses, because it's so memorable, the picture here. It says, without wood, fire goes out. Without a gossip, conflict dies down. You know, that, that's, that's true. When, in the wintertime, when you got a fireplace going and it's get, been getting a little too hot in the fireplace, you just quit putting wood in there, right? <laughs> just stop throwing wood in there. When you have a conflict, when you have a difficult conversation looming, if you want to make it worse and hotter, throw more wood in there by gossiping about it. <laughs> you want to help the situation? Then just stop talking and go talk to the person. So the question is, are you a lighter fluid kind of person or a water kind of person? See, lighter fluid people, they, they go talk to everybody else but the right person. Water people, they help put the fire out by just going to the person. And isn't it interesting, like when you don't go to the person you talk to everybody else, you also make it worse because now the person you should talk to feels like, man, is this so bad that they can't even come to me? All of a sudden it's worse, right? Talk to the right person. Are you a stoke the fire with a stick kind of person or are you a blanket person where you put it out? Well, you may say, Brandon, like, but shouldn't we talk to friends, shouldn't we seek wise counsel? Well, biblically, we're gonna see this as we go through the text. Absolutely, you should. It's good to seek wise counsel. The problem is for most of us, me included, it's tempting to go talk to, to five or 10 friends, get them on our side, and then never talk to the other person that we should talk to, right? And at the end of the day, that 
that's not getting counsel, that's just gossip. So sure, talk to one or two friends, seek some counsel, then go talk to the person you should talk to. And I would encourage you to circle back with your friends and let them know how it went. Let them know that this person you talked to is not the worst person on the planet. <laughs> talk to the right person. So number one, you go talk to the right person. How do you go approach them? What do you do when you go talk to them? I'm so glad you asked. It's my second point. It's this, choose curiosity over certainty. Choose curiosity over certainty. So it's that of putting on a posture of learning rather than lecturing. Now, I feel like this one, because we're good West Texans and we know what we believe, this is a hard one. But hear me out. Actually, better yet, hear the Bible out. <laughs> Turn to chapter 18, verse 2. It says, a fool does not delight in understanding, but only wants to show off his opinions. Ouch. <laughs> now one more, back to the left a little more, chapter 12, verse 15. It says, a fool's way is right in his own eyes, but whoever listens to counsel is wise. So the fool doesn't want to understand. They just want to share their opinion. The fool thinks they're right. They don't want to listen to counsel. Applying this to, to difficult conversations, we are fools if we go into difficult conversations and just run our mouths and don't take time to listen. We're being foolish when we just assume that we know everything about the circumstance, the situation. So, you know what? They had no right to do that because because I understand the situation. We are fools when we begin to assume that we know someone's intent. Sheila Heen and Bruce Patton in their book, Difficult Conversations, they say that intent is invisible. That's true, isn't it? Like just to remind you, because I need this reminder too occasionally, you and I are not God, so we don't know people's hearts. We can, you know, we can try to make some assumptions, but the reality is we're being a fool when we do that. We don't know someone's intent, so we shouldn't go in and start pointing the finger and casting blame. We should go in and ask questions. Rather than being certain of what they did and why they did it, maybe be curious. Take on a learner's perspective of like, hey, help me understand why you said this or, or, or why you did that. The wise person takes counsel. So, Okay, I'm willing to hear you out. In, in Kenya, the Maasai tribes, I think they still use this. And I've, 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 several people have caught me after the service and said that the Maasai tribe are not the only people to use this. But this is a talking stick, which by the way, I've been glad to get affirmation that this is a real thing. I didn't know if it was just a good sales pitch that the Maasai tribe did for me and I bought it. But it worked. Here I am with this stick, okay? <laughs> but they told me that in a, or told our team that when they have a tribal council, the, the chief comes in and he will, if he wants someone to speak, he'll hand them the stick and then they get to share. I think often we go into difficult conversations and we have a beating stick, right? We go in, we're going to go give them the what for, tell them what's on our mind. And the problem is that's, that's not a biblical perspective. When you do that, you're being left full and just going in only, as the text says, only wanting to share your opinion. 
To have a more biblical approach to difficult conversation is to walk in and say, hey, I definitely have some things I want to share, but do you mind giving me your perspective a little bit? Do you mind sharing your heart a little bit? Y'all, I don't know about you, but I can look back at how many conversations and friendships would have been less troubling or less difficult if I would have led that way. Not going in certain I know everything, but curious. Maybe maybe there's something on their mind that I'm not aware of. Choose curiosity over certainty. It means to seek to understand before being understood. I love what, in that same book I mentioned, Sheila Heen and Bruce Patton in Difficult Conversations, they say that arguing without understanding is unpersuasive. I don't think Sheila or Bruce are believers, but there's some wisdom in that, isn't there? When you argue but don't understand someone's perspective, you're not being persuasive. Lean in, ask questions. As James said, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Does that mean that we can't stand on the truth? Not saying that at all. Did Jesus, a couple of things, not trick questions. Did Jesus have difficult conversations? You better believe he did, right? But did he do it with love? Absolutely. And if you read the gospel, it's pretty interesting. Jesus asked a lot of questions, not because he didn't know, right? I have no idea. Please enlighten me. No, he asked questions to draw them in. It's winsome, isn't it? When someone asks your opinion or tell me why you believe that or, or why did you do that? And also just while we're talking about Jesus, like while Jesus had difficult conversations and he stood firm on the truth, it is laughable to me to think about Jesus leaving a difficult conversation and going back to the disciples and going, ha, I told them. <laughs> I, I gave them a piece of my mind, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> so why do we do that? Look, to, to be gentle and to be curious, but still stand on the truth, that's not weak, that's, that's wise to go in and, and stand on the truth, but, but be loving. You can be firm and still be loving. Choose curiosity over certainty. All right, what else should we do in these difficult conversations? Number three, speak carefully. Or as my mom liked to say, think before you speak, right? We've heard this one, but it's actually biblical. It's not just a cute saying. Chapter 12 Verse 18, another one I love because it's so picturesque. 12, 18 says, there is one who speaks rashly like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. When, when you speak rashly, when you speak impulsively, it's like you're pulling out a sword and swinging around and might stab somebody. You're dangerous. I remember one time at, at middle school camp, we had about 90 middle schoolers gathered around and we all had these bracelets they had put on that we needed to cut some of the tags off. So they had too much, uh, they're too long. And so I just kind of, not even thinking instinctively, just pulled out my pocket knife to start cutting off some of these tags. And one of our middle schoolers, Brenner, he's now in college, but he had grown up a Boy Scout. So he immediately said, whoa, 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 establish a safety circle. <laughs> he's like, what are you doing, Brandon? And he, he, but while it was funny, I felt like I was being like corrected by a middle schooler. Like, he was right. I've got a, a knife out. Like we should, we should be careful here and not like make everybody aware. 
It's almost like he's saying, hey, if someone's going to speak rashly and impulsively, someone should say, hey, we need a safety circle. This person is being dangerous. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. So you can, you can be a person with a dagger or you can be a doctor. You can hurt people or you can heal people. Which person are you going to be? When you speak carefully, you can bring healing rather than hurt. And another verse on that idea, 1528, chapter 1528. It says, the mind of the righteous person thinks before answering, but the mouth of the wicked blurts out evil things. So the righteous person, they think. They give pause to their words. The wicked person, they just blurt stuff out. So, so the question is, what, which, which person are you more like? Do you blurt stuff out or do you think before you speak? I, I love that verse 28 is helpful because it, it helps deal with an objection we might would give. Well, that's just not my personality. Like, I, like to, I like to think quick. I'm on my feet and I, just, I say things right when they come to my mind. That's just kind of how I am. Notice says the mind of the righteous person thinks before answering. So this is not a personality issue. This is, do you know the person of Jesus? Because if you do, you should want to be more like him and grow in righteousness by thinking before you speak. You know, we, uh, when you go to the, to the gun range, go to shoot your gun, your, your firearms, you know, they always tell you, ready, fire, aim. I knew that boy was from Florida. <laughs> No, it's, it's ready, aim, fire, right? Because there's, there's too much at stake to just get trigger happy, right? Like, let's be careful. Even think about one time we took some of our team um, to, to a friend's gun range, and uh, he was, some of the team had, was not real familiar with guns, and so he was helping them with things. And several of the folks that hadn't shot, do what all of us do the first time you, you use a, a firearm. And, and you immediately, you grab the gun and you immediately put your finger on the trigger. And, and our friend kept saying, like, hey, you, you got to stop putting your finger on the trigger, right? Somebody's going to get hurt. You don't put your finger on the trigger until you're ready. Like when you're set, when you're ready, you're pointing down range, go ahead, put your finger on the trigger. But don't just grab the gun and put your finger on the trigger. We could use a little more ready, aim, fire in our conversations, couldn't we? Because words are like bullets and they're hard to get back in the gun. They can hurt people. So speak carefully, slow down, be intentional. You know, it's okay. It's actually, I think it can be refreshing to tell someone, my wife is great at this. I am a little more impulsive communicator, but she's great at saying, hey, let me, let me pause. Let me think about that for a minute. Do you know that you can use that in conversation? Now, when my four-year-olds use that, I'm like, you're stalling, go to the bathroom, right? <laughs> but, but, but we can, we can use that in conversation. Say, hey, I, I, just, I just need a quick minute to, to think about that. And then when you say it, that can actually be good for the person who's talking to you because then they can go, oh yeah, I should think too. <laughs> Speak carefully. And one of the things that makes speaking carefully so difficult in difficult conversations is emotions. We get a little razzed up in difficult conversations, don't we? That brings us to our fourth point. It's this. 
Be led by the Spirit rather than your emotions. It's the idea of asking God to take control so that your emotions don't. Be led by the Spirit rather than your emotions. I want to look at chapter 15, verse 1. It says, A gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. It isn't amazing. The tone with which you speak has the power to steer the course of the conversation. So the, the idea of 15 verse one, the idea is that someone's coming in hot, meaning they're coming in angry, they're, they're riled up, but a gentle answer can turn that anger away. It's pretty cool that you, by responding calmly, can help calm them down. But listen, he says, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. So words are just powerful. They can calm things down or they can stir things up. Speaking of lighter fluid, right? So someone comes in to talk to you and you can say that the idea is literally a harsh word. One harsh word can totally steer the course of the conversation towards anger and aggression and frustration and emotions being high. So you're saying, control it, be, be gentle. You open up that door of anger, their anger is gonna walk right back through that same door. <laughs> Choose to speak gently. Don't let your emotions control you. Over in chapter 29, verse 11. 29, 11, he says, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise person holds it in check. So just to let your, your anger go, let it all out, you feel like you're, you're being free in that moment. But the reality is when you let all your anger out, you're just being a fool. The wise person holds it in check. They, they calm themselves down. One more, 1632. This is another one that's really picturesque. I like that. 1632 says, patience is better than power and controlling one's emotions than capturing a city. <laughs> you meet someone who can control their emotions you should be more impressed with them than someone who can conquer a city because it's difficult. It's tough. You're like, yeah, I know. That's why I get all fired up. <laughs> you can be led by the spirit or you can be led by your emotion. So, so, so the question is, I love the, the imagery of verse 32 in chapter 16. It is who's holding who hostage? Who's, hold, who's controlling who? Again, in our, in our arrogance, we get hot-tempered and angry and let it out. And we feel like we're in control when we do that because we're doing what we want. But the reality is at that point, your emotions have just taken you hostage. And as believers in Jesus, we're not to be held hostage by our emotions. We're not to be controlled by our emotions. We are be, we're to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit lives in us and is to control us and to guide us. Next thing about a, a teenager one time at a church I was serving, she had a great experience at youth camp and things like that and got saved and was turning her life around. She had gone from pretty mean to pretty sweet. And uh, the first Sunday after school had started, she told her Sunday school class, I don't know, y'all. I got some really annoying people at my school. I don't know if I can do this. Like, I think I'm gonna have to be mean to somebody. <laughs> which I get, but her Sunday school teacher rightly told her, hey, you, you now know Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, 
And one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. It's going to be okay. Look to the Spirit. Like how many of our conversations would be different if as we were going into those conversations, we asked, Lord, would you guide me? Would you lead me? Would you lead me? Would you control me? Or even in the conversation, as you feel that tension, that frustration getting riled up, you just stop and quietly in your spirit or out loud, I don't care. God, would you help me? Maybe you shouldn't say, God, help me out, out loud. They might get offended, right? God, help me before I slap them. <laughs> like, don't do that. But to, within your spirit, pray, Lord, would you help me? Would you give me self-control? And, and I'm, I'm approaching that from the viewpoint of like getting anger, angry and leaning in. But the reality is for some of us, our emotions get a hold of us and we just run away from the difficult conversation. Someone's confronting sin in us and we run away. Someone's at work calling us to be better and we run away. You know, that's not godly either. No, ask the spirit to control you and lean in to the difficult conversation. You know, when you're, when you're led by the spirit, this, this next point that is actually kind of hard becomes a little bit easier. Number five, move from grumbling to gratitude. From grumbling to gratitude. And I, I'm more so thinking about like when, when you're on the receiving end of a difficult conversation. So just two brief verses we're gonna look at and kind of unpack this. Chapter 15, verse 32. It says, anyone who ignores discipline despises himself, but whoever listens to correction acquires good sense. I, I love that verse. If you, if you tend to balk and kind of push away from difficult conversations or when someone corrects you, this is a great verse to memorize. Listen to what it's saying. If I ignore discipline, I'm actually despising myself. So we'll just we'll pretend for a minute, Pastor David gets back from vacation and he comes and he's gonna coach me up on some sermon prep. Or my, I'm a preaching, right? Which has every white pastor, if you're listening, I welcome it, okay? But <laughs> let's pretend... He shows up at my door and he comes in and he says, hey, I just got some feedback for you. In that moment, if I, in, I would never, of course, do this uh, out loud. That would be ridiculous. But even on the inside, it'd be ridiculous. But if on the inside, I go, who does he think he is with 30 years of preaching, even at one single church? <laughs> who does he think he is? I don't know. See, in that moment, I, I, in my flesh, I would tell myself, yeah, I don't like him. But this verse actually says, if I ignore the discipline, the instruction, I'm actually despising myself. Why? Because whoever listens to correction acquires good sense. So I could in that moment grumble and oh, or I could be grateful that he cares enough about me to give me some good sense. <laughs> and Lord knows this world needs some good sense from grumbling to gratitude. One more verse on that idea, 25, 12. 25, 12. A wise correction to a receptive ear is like a gold ring or an ornament of gold. A wise correction. So there is a condition there. He's, he's not saying you should just listen and believe everything you hear. But when someone comes to you with wisdom, a wise correction, it's like they're offering you gold 
which I know like maybe that doesn't translate really well just for our purposes in today in 2022, it's like they're offering you a basket full of $100 bills. When they come with a wise correction, it's a gift. You know, if you come and offer me a basket full of $100 bills, I am not going to grumble. <laughs> I'm going to be grateful. And if I am grumbling, it just shows I'm a fool. See, when someone comes to you and they offer wise correction, don't see it as something to grumble about. See it as a gift. I'll just tell you, students, kiddos, when your parents, your grandparents come to you and give you a correction, you should just assume it's a wise correction. I don't know. Let me pray about this, mom and dad. <laughs> it's a wise correction. Don't get mad. Be grateful that they love you enough to tell you the truth. It's a, it's, it's a gift. When, when someone at work comes, to you, work comes to you and gives you a correction, man, it, it's a gift. When a friend comes to you and calls you on the way you're living your life, calls you out on some sin, it, it's a gift. If you will receive it. See, it says, to a receptive ear. See, receptive ears are grateful ears. Grumbling ears don't get the gift. Move from grumbling to gratitude. So I just, I just want to ask you, like, what, what's the soundtrack? What's the song playing in your mind when you think about difficult conversations? Is it, oh man, my boss wants to talk to me. My spouse wants to talk to me. My dad wants to talk to me. Oh, I'm going to be in trouble. This is the worst. What if you flip that soundtrack, that song that's on repeat and said, Lord, this may be painful, but I know it's an opportunity to grow. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I would even tell you, if you're the one initiating those conversations, it can help you lean into those conversations and you realize, hey, this is an opportunity for them to grow. Maybe, maybe they will be grateful and not just grumble about it. Move from grumbling to gratitude. So, so far we've had five. Talk to the right person. Choose curiosity over certainty. Speak carefully. Be led by the Spirit rather than your emotions. Move from grumbling to gratitude. And we've got one more, and then we're done. Number six, choose to love rather than lie. Choose to love rather than lie. What in the world do I mean by that? We're going to let the text tell us. Chapter 26, verse 28. A lying tongue hates those it crushes, and a flattering mouth causes ruin. A lying tongue hates those it crushes. The, the idea is a, more, a very literal translation of crushes there is to, to push down. So a lying tongue, not telling someone the truth, just flattering them, telling them what they want to hear, that's not loving them. That's actually like you walking alongside them and then pushing them down. It's, it's not helpful, it's actually hurtful. It says very clearly, a flattering mouth causes ruin. Excuse me, y'all, I've still got a long ways to grow in this, but for so long, I avoided leaning into difficult conversations, even when I knew I should talk to somebody about something. I ran from it for so often because I thought, well, if I talk to them, they're gonna get mad, it's gonna cause drama, there's gonna be strife, and I don't want any part of that. The reality is, when you avoid difficult conversations, when you know you should lean into it, you're actually, by doing that, you're lying to them, you're flattering them. Oh, everything's great, everything's fine. And you're actually, you're actually causing more harm than good. 
Y'all, we're designed, God made us for a relationship and we need, we need each other to lean in and tell each other the truth. So what I mean by choose to love rather than lie, I just mean be honest. <laughs> tell people the truth. When you're honest and not just flattering people, buttering them up, you're actually loving them. You're actually not spreading ruin, you're helping them. Another one quickly, 28, 23. 28, 23 says, one who rebukes a person will later find more favor than one who flatters with his tongue. So when you choose to love, when you choose to be honest by telling the person the truth, even rebuking them, later there's more favor than if you flatter with your tongue. Uh, you could, like me, if you want, circle, underline that word later or, or, or however your translation translates that idea. But the idea is that in the moment, flattery is more tempting because in the moment it keeps everybody happy. But if you're willing to love them by telling them the truth, giving them the hard truth, if necessary, in the end, it's more rewarding. God honors your honesty. He honors you, you telling the truth. And it's gonna be fruitful for you and for the person you're talking to. Final verse, now your thumbs are worn out. 28 verse 13. The one who conceals his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. So, so two thoughts here. As the person going to talk to someone, the person initiating that difficult conversation, you're, you're loving them by being real and, and, and calling them on their sin, meaning talking to them about what they've been doing that's not right, that's not in accordance with God's word. You're loving them and it's being loving because you're calling, you're calling them out of darkness and into light, out of bondage and into freedom. Because if they'll confess their sins, there's mercy, <laughs> there's forgiveness, there's freedom. And so the flip side of that, if you're the person receiving that tough conversation, someone coming and saying, man, I think you're living in sin here. Like, or, that's not good. What you said to that person or how you looked at that person is not good. If you'll receive that, realize they're loving you, they're not lying to you, man, see it as a gift and lean in. And if you'll be honest, do the loving thing by being honest back to them, there's freedom in that. Choose to love rather than lie. We got a little picture to help demonstrate this idea. Little bunny wabbits. <laughs> the picture, you could use this for a lot of different things, but for today, the picture on the right, I think is a good picture, a good metaphor for what we feel like when we flatter people. In the moment, looks good, feel good about it, kind of smug. Or if you're the one receiving the flattery, right? You feel good about it? Look at me. But what it goes on to produce is rather lacking. <laughs> the other side, the little bunny rabbit on the left, I love it because even his face, I feel like his face kind of looks how our faces might look during difficult conversations. <laughs> uh, I hope this is going okay, <laughs> right? A little nervous, a little apprehensive. And, and what we have to show for it in the moment is not that great, not that impressive. But what the difficult conversation goes on to produce is incredibly rewarding. See, when you choose to love and not lie, and we're moving towards 
walking more closely with Jesus. We're moving towards the fruit in our lives that he wants to produce. Choose to love rather than lie. I want to close with saying this. Choosing to love, not lie. No, that's that's what Jesus did. (laughs) Jesus could have said from heaven, you guys are great down there. Things are looking good. Y'all are so awesome. Y'all are so pure and holy. And had he done that, we'd still be on our way to hell. But Jesus, excuse me, who was a Jew, (laughs) Jesus loved us enough to come and tell us the truth. That we are desperately wicked, evil sinners, hopeless without him. But because of his life, death, and resurrection, there's forgiveness, hope, and everlasting life. See, it's a tough message, but it's a life-giving message. When you choose to love rather than lie, when you you choose to lean into difficult conversations, you're imitating Jesus, which is the goal of the Christian life, to reflect who Jesus is to the world around us. I don't have a a silly or significant story to share with you at the end this morning. I just want to challenge you, maybe encourage you. God's word demands a response. What I mean by that is it's authoritative. It is God's perfect holy word. So so we can't ever hear a sermon and just go, well, that was cute, and and leave. Like, no, it, it demands a change in us. And all of us have room to grow in difficult conversations. So I want to ask you, believer, Christian, like, is there one of those six things that we saw from the text that maybe the Lord's kind of tapping on your heart this morning? of a way you could grow. This is not just helpful tips for growing and having better conversations at work. No, this is about becoming more like Christ. Or maybe it's not just one of those six things he's wanting you to to, to grow in. Maybe there's a conversation that you've had in the past that the Lord is calling you to circle back to and maybe apologize for the way you handled it. Or maybe there's one kind of looming out in front of you that you've been dreading and putting off. And this morning, you're like, okay, God, I hear you. <laughs> He's calling you to lean into a difficult conversation. See, difficult conversations, they're not always fun, but they're often fruitful. Will you lean in? If you're a believer, I'm just gonna ask you right now just to, to bow your head, close your eyes, and just ask the Lord to, to guide you, to, to lead you what it looks like to respond. There'll be, be some men in a moment after I pray down front that would love to pray with you. If you're just like, I could use some encouragement in this area. They'd love to pray with you. But if you don't know Jesus this morning, I want you to know that he bled and died for you to offer you forgiveness and salvation. Will you turn from your sin? Will you turn from your self-righteousness? Will you turn from thinking you've got it figured out and turn to Jesus to be saved by grace through faith? knowing he paid the price for your sins. You can, you can call on him. You can turn to him right now. If you're watching online, watching on TV, or sitting in this room, you can turn to Jesus for, for salvation right now. Turning from your sin, turning to him, believing that he is God the Son, that he died and rose again for your sins and offers you forgiveness and hope. Jesus, would you be the Lord of my life? You can, you can make that prayer right now. Maybe the Lord is working on your heart for He's drawing you to join this church or to be baptized. I don't know, whatever it may be, I'm gonna trust that he'll give you clarity. 
I'm gonna give you a minute more to just pray and talk with the Lord and then I'll pray. And then after that, we're gonna sing and respond. God, thank you for loving us enough to tell us the truth. And would you help us to reflect that same character in our lives? Would you give people boldness and clarity as they respond? And God, would we tomorrow and the day after and the day after that have conversations that bring glory to you as we handle them in a more biblical manner? God, we love you. Help us to respond even now as we sing. Through your name we pray, amen.